Welcome home. It's good to see everybody today. Uh, for any of you visiting, my name's Adam. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Pitnaz. Uh, Kyle, our lead pastor, is down at our Columbus campus this morning. And um, so we're praying for them this morning as well as they continue to get their roots down in Columbus. But um, I, does any, any of you like to play darts? Anybody in here like to play darts? A lot more of you than in first service. I, uh, I never liked playing darts until this past Christmas, and we went to see my brother in, in down in Texas, and he had bought a dart board, and he hung it on the back porch and, uh, just for my boys to play, and I ended up playing darts, I think, as much as they did, and who knew at 44 years old, you can find a new interest? Did anybody know you can do that? That's actually possible. And so uh, we had a good time. My brother did give us a hard time, though, saying he was going to have to replace the siding on the back porch because of all the places where we missed the board completely. But um, I bring that up because this morning we're talking about God's will. And a lot of times when we talk about God's will, we're just talking about what's, you know, God's plan, God's desire for your life and for my life. And a lot of times we have this view of God's will, like his will is this dartboard. And if you don't hit the bullseye, if you don't make every single decision exactly the way God wants you, if you don't take the job that he wants you to take, if you don't uh, move to the house he wants you to move to, if you don't major in the, the um, if you don't have the right major in college, then your whole life's going to be messed up. And not only will your life be messed up, but you'll mess up somebody else's life. Because what if, what if you take a job that's not really the bullseye? That's not really the center of God's will. That's a phrase you hear sometimes that kind of sounds like a bullseye, doesn't it? What if I take a job that's somebody else's bullseye, somebody else's center of God's will, then not only have I messed my life up because I haven't hit my bullseye, but now I've taken somebody else's bullseye, so their life's going to be messed up too. Oh my goodness, that's just maddening, isn't it? Here's my question for you today. What if that's not at all how God's will works? What if that phrase, center of God's will, isn't biblical at all? In fact, what if God's will is simply to transform you and me into the people he created us to be? That's the big truth today. Would you say that with me? God's will is to transform you and me into the people he created us to to be. So if you have a Bible or Bible app, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is the best verse that I could think of or that I could find that may have given rise to this bullseye concept of God's will. Because these verses refer to the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. But as always, we have to, we have to pay attention to the context. So here's what Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Well, what does that have to do with God's will? Well, he keeps going, and he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then here it is. Then, notice that connecting word, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So what's, what does Paul say here? What's, how do we discern God's will for our lives? Well, he tells us in that second verse. We discern God's will for our lives, first and foremost, 
by offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. And what that means is that every area of my life I give to God as an act of worship. See, worship isn't just something we do on Sunday mornings. And worship is so much more than singing songs. We did a whole series on this last fall. Worship, ultimately, Paul tells us in these verses, true worship is about offering every area of my life to him and saying, God, you have, you have charge over every area of my life. And Paul says that's how we discern God's will. That's where we start. We don't discern God's will by, by asking God to show us some bullseye so we don't miss it. He says, whatever we're doing at any given moment, we do it in a way that honors him. In fact, he puts it this way in another part. Well, let me back up. The, the, um, the message paraphrase of Romans 12 one says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I love that paraphrase. Give him everything, Paul says. Give him everything. Even those mundane moments that Kyle preached about a couple of weeks ago. But here's what Paul says in another place. He says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. He doesn't say, whatever you do on Sunday mornings, do it for the glory of God. He says, whatever you do, do it for God's glory. Whatever you're doing at any given moment, that means, that means I, I, I want to conduct my finances in a way that, honor, that honors God. I want to approach my marriage and other relationships in a way that honors God. I want to parent my kids in a way that honors God. I want to walk down the aisle of the grocery store looking for ways I can honor God. I want to honor God with my job. What would happen if, if you stopped looking at your job as just a place where you go to earn a paycheck and instead started viewing your job no matter where it is? What if you started viewing your job as a place where you can go and reflect the love of Jesus to those you work with and then just happen to get paid while you're doing it? That's offering everything, even your job, to God as an act of worship. So we honor God everywhere. We honor God when you're driving and that, and that jerk cuts you off. You honor God. You honor God when you're watching your kids' ball games. Right, right Dustin? Right, Teresa? Yeah, a couple of months ago, Dustin and I got a little, uh, got a little vocal with the refs at one of Lane and one of Lane. And, okay, it was mostly me. I don't know that I was honoring God necessarily while watching my kids' ball games, but that's what this verse calls us to do. In fact, Teresa was laughing at the possibility of the pastor getting kicked out of the gym, which did not happen. <laughs> Honor God. Whatever you're doing, do it in a way that honors Him. And so Paul tells us straight up in Romans 12 that, that we discern God's will for our lives First and foremost, by committing every area of our lives wholly, completely, 100% to Him. So, how do we apply this then to things like your job or your career or what you major in in college or where you live or what you do in church or even who you marry? How do we apply this? Well, let's use the example of your job because that seems to be the most common place where people look for that bullseye. Let's say that job A is your current job, and job B is a new opportunity. And you pray and you say, God, which, which job should I take? Which, should I take path A or path B? Job A or job B? What should I do? And let's say that as you pray and as you seek God's, um, God's guidance on this and you seek the counsel of other people and you sort through the decision, and let's say that, um, that God clearly lays it on your heart, you need to take job B. 
He wants you to, to go down a new path, and he wants you to take job B. Well, if you're completely surrendered to him and you've given everything to him, then there's really no decision to make, right? I mean, if you know that that's the path God wants you to take, then you take it. You do it. You go down that path. There have been times in my life where I knew that I knew that I knew God wanted me to do this, or he wanted me to go here, or he wanted me to go talk to this person. And in those moments where that's clear, there's one option, you do it. But there have also been times in my life where it wasn't so clear. There have been times in my life where I... I prayed and I prayed over a decision and I did seek the counsel of others and I poured my heart out to God and I sought him in his word and I just, I just couldn't get a sense on whether he wanted me to take path A or path B. What do you do then? When you've prayed and you've prayed and you've sought his wisdom and you've sought his counsel and you just don't have a sense of what he wants you to do, what do you do then? Here's a thought. What if in those cases, in those cases where you've poured your heart out to God and you just can't get a clear sense, what if in those cases there's no bullseye? Or maybe we should think of it a different way. What if in those cases the bullseye is not the bullseye you're looking for? The bullseye is not that you take job A or job B or path A, or path B? What if the bullseye in those cases is simply that whichever path you choose using the brain God's given you, you walk that path in a way that honors Him? You see, here's what I've found in my life, and and I believe the Bible backs this up most importantly. There are two types of doors that God opens for us in life. One type of door is a door where God opens it and he says, I want you to walk through this door. I want you to walk through this door. And if you don't walk through that door, you will be disobedient to him. Because he's saying, he's, he's, he's told you, he's laid it on your heart. I want you to take job B. I want you to go here. I want you to do this. When Sarah and I went to Mountain Grove, Missouri, where we pastored for 12 years before coming here, that was the kind of door that God opened. And we wrestled with it for a while, and we finally reached a point where we realized if we keep wrestling with this, then we're going to be, we're going to cross a line, and we're going to be disobedient to him because he's telling us, I want you to go there. And so we went. But there's a second kind of door that God opens for us sometimes. And that second kind of door is is a door where he opens it and he says, I'm opening this door for you. Walk through it if you wish. You're not going to be disobedient if you don't walk through it, but you are going to miss something that I have for you on the other side if you don't. And to be honest, that's the kind of door that he opened for us when we came here to Pitnaz. We felt like it was a door where it, we wouldn't have been disobedient had we stayed where we were, but, but we felt like it was a door where God was saying, I'm opening this door for you. Walk through it if you wish. If you don't, you're going to miss some things that I have for you. In both cases, 
the idea is, I just want to honor God in everything I do. And if that's walking through the door, if that's staying where I'm at, I just want to honor God in everything that I do. And that brings us to my, my psychological theory. I'm not a psychologist, but I played one on TV. So uh, take this for what it's worth. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, too. So take, take this, you know, take it or leave it. I, you know, it's up to you. Here's my psychological theory about this bullseye concept of God's will. I think that we want to believe that there's this bullseye for every single decision we make in life. We want to believe that, that God has a, an absolute, exact, specific path that he wants us to take for every decision that we make. We want to believe that because we think that makes life easier. We think that we won't have to make any big decisions because God has made the decision. Then we just have to figure out what decision he's made. But the irony is that in doing that, we actually, we actually make life harder because then we agonize and we agonize and we agonize. Is this the bullseye or not? Is this God's perfect will or not? Have I made the right decision? And sometimes I think God is saying, make a decision and honor me and I will walk with you. Make a decision and honor me and I will walk with you. We've already compared this, this idea of God's will to a dartboard. Let me use another game as an illustration. You know the old, the old three-shell game where there's three shells or three cups on the table and there's a pea or a marble or something underneath and the person moves them all around and he uses all kinds of sleight-of-hand tricks to move the marble to a different cup without you seeing and tries to get you to guess the wrong one and if you're betting on it, he's going to steal your money. He's trying to trick you the whole time. Do you really think that God wants to play that game with you in regard to his plan for your life? My will's under one of these cups. Find it if you can. That's not the heart of God. God created you, and he loves you. And he does have a plan for you, and he wants you to have the best life that you can possibly live. But the way that you live that life isn't by flinging a dart at a dartboard and hoping you hit the bullseye. It's not by guessing what shell his will is under. No, the way that we live the best life that we can possibly live on this earth is to give ourselves completely to him. To surrender our lives, every area of it, to him and say, God, everything I am is yours and everything I have is yours. And whether I'm walking down path B over here or path A over here, I'm going to walk it in a way that honors you. As you transform me into the person you created me to be. So while that phrase, center of God's will, isn't in the Bible, here are a few verses that do spell out God's will for us. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is what? God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Well, that's, there's a bullseye. God's will for you is to be thankful no matter what's going on in your life. 
Even when life stinks, I can still be thankful to God because he has done so much for me. Not the least of which he has sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins so that I can have abundant life now and eternal life later. If nothing else, for that reason alone, I can be thankful to God no matter what's going on in my life. That's God's will for you and me. He says in another place, God's will is for you to be holy. That is to be righteous, to be moral, to love God with your whole heart, to love others as yourself. All of that is involved in being holy, and that spells it out. God's will is for you to be holy. There's a bullseye. God wants you to be holy. And then he says, uh, Peter says, it's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. The key phrase there, it's God's will that you live an honorable life. There's a bullseye. But you notice that all of these verses and most of the verses in the Bible that talk about God's will aren't necessarily about what you do in life. They're about the kind of person you are. In fact, one person talking about these verses, one author writes this, there's a pattern evident in these verses. God's specific will is that you should become a certain kind of person, obedient, thankful, kind, loving, everything else flows from that. You see, when the New Testament talks about God's will for your life, it's talking about the kind of person God wants you to be. It's talking about transformation, that God wants to transform you and me into the people he created us to be. No matter what job you have, No matter what you're majoring in in college, no matter what career path you choose, no matter where you live, no matter whom you marry, God's will is to transform you and me into the people he created us to be. Say that with me. God's will is to transform you and me into the people he created us to be. So does God have a plan? Does he have a will for your life? Yes, he does. And sometimes that will, sometimes that plan involves very specific things. He wants you to go here. He wants you to do this. He wants you to go talk to that person. Sometimes it is very specific. But other times his will simply involves doing whatever you're doing in a way that honors him. And through that, he brings about transformation in you. So what do we do with all of this? Let me give you five brief action steps to respond to all of this. First one is where we started. Commit your entire life to God. Every area. Commit every area of your life to Him. Your marriage, your finances, any other relationships you have, your future, your past. Whatever secret habit or secret sin you might have, what if you, what if you said, God, you've got to have this area, you've got to have control of this area of my life. I don't want to hold anything back from you, God. Commit your entire life to God. Secondly, develop daily time with him through prayer and through his word. We've got some resources out in the lobby. I don't know if you noticed, there's a new connect wall. Um, it's by the, by the kitchen window, and there's, in one of those baskets, there are a couple of resources. One of those resources will help you develop um, a, a, your, your time in prayer every day. 
The other resource will help you develop your time in God's Word every day. Here's why that's important. The more you know the heart of God, this is only one reason that this is important. The more you know the heart of God, the easier those difficult decisions become. My wife Sarah and I, um, this summer, will be married 22 years. And there are certain situations where I don't have to ask her. I know what she's going to think about it. I know how she's going to feel about it because I know her heart. Not everything. We still surprise each other sometimes. But we've spent so much time together over the years. I know her heart. In certain situations, I know this is how she's going to react. This is what she's going to think. And our relationship with God is the same way. The more time we spend with him in prayer and in his word, the more we get to know his heart, the more we get to know what's important to him. And that makes those difficult decisions maybe not easy, but maybe a little easier because we already know his heart. So develop daily time with God. Third step, third action step, when God wants you to do something, when you know in your heart, he has laid it on your heart, you know you have this um, kind of this sense of urgency to do something, you know God has placed that urgency there, then do it. Just do it. Go all Nike on that sucker and just do it. Do it. Stop making excuses. Don't try to rationalize your way out of it. When you know God wants you to go down a certain path, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you can't see what's down the road, trust him enough to do it. But in those moments when the path isn't so clear, and you've prayed about it, and you have sought God, and you've sought his counsel, and you just don't have a sense of whether you should take path A or path B. First of all, check your motives. Make sure that there's not any selfishness or anything like that that's creeped into that decision-making process. Make sure that your number one goal, your number one motive is still to honor him in everything you do. And then make a decision. And commit yourself to walking that path in a way that honors him. And honestly, there are times when you, there have been times in my life where I've, I've done that. I just didn't get a clear sense from God. And I've said, okay, God, I'm going to make a decision. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep praying about it. And if I'm going down a path that I shouldn't be, then you just, somehow you show me. And there have been times when I've started down a particular path and one way or another, God showed me, no, you need to reverse course. But we have to trust him enough with that. Don't be paralyzed in your decision-making because you're too afraid that you're going to make the wrong choice. Seek his face. Pray about it. Seek the counsel of others. And if it's not clear still, then check your motives, make a decision, and commit yourself all over again to walking this path in a way that honors him. And that brings up the last step. When you do mess up, Not if, but when. Trust that he's big enough to help you. Trust that he's big enough to clean up the mess. I remember when our boys were little, 
There would be times when uh, maybe they would spill something and make a big mess, or maybe, you know, maybe the, the toys just exploded in the family room and it was time to clean up the mess. And I can remember at times saying, you know, boys, we, you know, we need to clean this up. And, and I can still see their faces and I can see there's almost smoke coming out of their ears because their little brains were just completely overwhelmed. I don't even know where to start, how to clean up this mess. And that's when Sarah and I would, would step in and we would start helping Sometimes life is a mess, isn't it? And sometimes life is a mess because of our own choices. And sometimes we look at that mess and it seems overwhelming and we don't even know where to start. Please hear me when I say in those times God is right there next to you and there is no path. Hear me, hear me, there is no path you will ever walk down that will make such a giant mess that God can't clean it up. He is bigger than any mess you could ever possibly make. Trust that. Walk in the freedom of knowing that. That even if you go down a wrong path, He will show you and He will help you clean it up. So the bullseye of God's will, ultimately, is that he wants to transform you and me into the people he created us to be. If you don't remember anything else from this message, remember that one big truth. God's will is to transform you and me into the people he created us to be. He wants to restore in you his holy image, which sin has tainted in all of us. But he doesn't force that on us. God will only work in you to the extent that you give him the freedom to do so. And that's why it's so important that we commit every area of our lives to him. God, I'm not holding anything back. Everything I have is yours. Everything I am is yours. Allow him to shape you into the person he created you to be and everything else related to God's will for you will flow out of that. So how do we know that we can trust God enough to commit ourselves completely to Him? Well, because He gave Himself completely for us. That's what we're celebrating in communion here today. He gave Himself completely to us. When He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. What a beautiful moment. What a perfect moment today. To say, God, everything I have is yours. Because you have given everything to me, I'm going to give everything to you. And for some of you, maybe there's somebody here in this room. Maybe there's somebody watching online. Maybe for you, that just needs to start with saying, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life living for him. Maybe for you today, that means entering into a relationship with the God of the universe who created you and does have a plan for your life. But maybe you made that decision a long time ago. Maybe for you, the thing for you to do today in this moment as we we celebrate what God has done for us, maybe for you, that, that just needs to look like something like, God, I've been holding back this area of my life. I know I have. 
There's an area where I haven't been obedient to you. There's an area of my life where I know you've told me to walk down this path and I've made all kinds of excuses and I'm not doing that anymore, God. I'm giving that to you. I've been trying to solve this problem in my life without you and God, I'm I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm giving this to you. I'm giving my marriage to you. I'm giving my finances to you. I'm giving my kids to you. Is there an area of your life that you're holding back from God? You bow your heads with me, close your eyes. Take a moment now before we receive these elements. Let God wash your heart. Is there an area of your life that you need to pray right now and say, God, I'm giving this to you? Before I receive these elements that symbolize what you've done for me, what you've given me, before I do this, I want to make sure my heart's clear and I am completely surrendered to you. God, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for your generosity. You have truly given everything for us. You've given your son whose body was broken and blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have abundant life right here in this life and we can have eternal life with you when we leave this world. We thank you for that today. And we choose right now in this moment, out of that thankfulness and out of that gratitude, we choose right now to give ourselves to you. God, whatever your will is for me, you write the story of my life. And I will seek to honor you in everything I do. And I will give you room to transform whatever you want to transform in me. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.